This is chapter 16 and verse number uh, 1. We looked last night at chapter 15 and saw the promises of God to Abraham or Abraham and his promise. And of course, uh, you must have a promise before this life is over if there's any hope of eternity and heaven. And we tried to show you how that promise is really boiled down to one, and that is Christ. If you have Christ, you have all the promises of God that he ever made. And so we want to look in chapter number 16, begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And that's uh, odd and it's strange because you know the promise is connected to a child and the Lord promised him that he would have a son and it's been 10 years since that promise when the Lord called them out of uh, Abraham's country, the land of the Chaldeans. It's been 10 years and no children yet and they're not getting any younger. They're getting much older. So the Bible said, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. You remember when Abraham, when there was a famine, as soon as he got into Canaan, there came a famine. And so to get away from the famine, he went down to Egypt. And while he was in Egypt, he picked up a handmaid of the name of Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my handmaid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. Now this seems to have been, as I've read, a custom of those days in those parts of the country. That if a lady, of course, uh, any time in Bible times, if a lady could not have a child, it was a shame, it was a disgrace and a dishonor. And uh, so the blessing of the Lord was revealed when a woman was able to have a child, especially a man-child. And if she couldn't, uh, the custom of that, those areas were that uh, you would take your handmaiden and, and uh, have a child through her. And nonetheless, this is what Sarah does. And she gives unto Abraham her handmaid. And uh, verse number 3, or the last part of verse number 2, And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. And Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah had dealt hardly with her, she fled from her faith. I want to preach tonight for a few moments on this subject, Abraham's plan. Now, last night we saw God's plan in the promise. But tonight we're going to see how that Abram and Sarah seem to deviate and take an alternate route from the plan that God had ordained. Let me begin by introducing it this way. To those of us tonight that may be preachers, to those of us tonight who may be husbands and others who may be wives, did you ever ponder what you would do if it just didn't work out in what you were doing? 
whether it was preaching or marriage or whatever. Did you ever get into a strait of which the pressure was on and then you began to wonder what you would do to get out of this? You began to figure, you began to plan. The marriage is not going so well. We began to think about an alternate route or direction. Maybe as a preacher, it seems as though that things are not working out like you thought they were, or they should. And so you began to think about a different direction. I wonder tonight, did you come up with anything? When you began to think of something different than what you are doing, what did you come up with? This is what Sarah and Abraham do. They come up with a plan, and this plan I call a plan B. God has a plan. His is plan A. He is going to give unto Abraham all of the promises that he said he would. He will fulfill them. And in that promise, he's going to give him a son. He said, Abraham, I will give you a seed. I will give you a son. And because of the time lapse, uh, we notice that Abraham and Sarah think there's a discrepancy. There's, there's some problem. And so uh, they began to look out a, an alternate route, another option. And so they come up with a plan B. Now may I say to you tonight, God never has a plan B. There is never another option. God in eternity, when he laid out the plan of salvation in Christ, he never said, if this doesn't work, then we'll try something else. Neither is there salvation in any other. But there's none of the name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. It's Christ and Christ alone for salvation. There is no plan B. There have been those that have said over the years, I've heard them say that, that God gives a direct will and a permissive will. No, God only has one will for your life, and only one. He has one plan, and he has only one plan. No alternate route. But you see, when you come to me and you, to the Abrahams and Sarahs, and to, and to man in general, man somehow, when he gets pressed into the corner and he doesn't think things are working out the way they ought to, he begins to think of another plan that might work. Jonah had a plan B. God said to Jonah, I've got a plan A for you, and that is Nineveh. Oh, he said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. Of course, he went uh, toward Tarshish. Uh, Demas had another plan. Paul said, Demas hath forsaken us, loving this present world. And Abraham and Sarah come together with another plan. And I ask you tonight in the beginning, do you have a plan B? You remember when Jesus 
was preaching to the multitudes that had followed him so long in John chapter number 6. And the Bible said as a result of him preaching the word to them, many of them turned from him and would follow him no more. And he turned and looked to Simon Peter and he said, Simon, will you leave me also? And Simon said, Lord, where can I go? For thou hast the words of life. You see, we never really get down to business with God in His plan until we have shut and done away with all of our own designs and all of our own plans. And then we begin to go with what God wants for our lives. Now I want you to notice this plan B that we find in our text here. Thank God for those in the Bible who had no secondary plan. I thought about Joshua. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There's no plan B for us. And uh, thank God for the Apostle Paul who fought the fight and finished the course. He had no plan B. And thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ whom the Bible said set his face as a flint toward Calvary He didn't have a plan B. And it's never God's will for you to think up of a secondary route or a secondary plan that you can choose in case God's way doesn't work out. Because I want to say to you tonight, God's way will always work out if you'll just wait on Him. You won't need your plan if you'll let God do His. But James said, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You don't need a secondary plan. Now, there are three things that I want to point out to you concerning Abraham's plan versus God's plan. I want you to notice with me in verse 1 and 2 that Abraham's got a plan, plan B. But I want you to notice the impatience of a plan B. The impatience of a plan B. I see this impatience because Sarah is now moving on toward uh, 75 years old herself. And uh, she's heard this talk about a boy for all these years, and yet it has not come to pass. So notice what she says in verse 1 and 2. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. Now notice the attitude that we see in the impatience that comes out of the impatience of Sarah. She has an attitude here that that somehow she's not in this purpose and program of God. Sure, Abraham, God told you that you were going to have a promise seed. But isn't it evident after these years that this promise seed's not going to come through me? And if I'm going to have any connection at all, it's going to be through a stepchild. And so I'm really not in the promise. I I really don't even have any 
purpose in this plan. And if she goes according to, to plan B, if, if, she's, if she's going to operate in the realm of plan B, she doesn't have any purpose of even being there. Why do you need a Sarah if you've got a Hagar? And a Hagar, if Hagar can produce the promised seed and the purpose of God, then Sarah is really not needed. So in her attitude, she becomes one of uselessness. And she doesn't even seem to figure into the plan and purposes of God. So as a result of that, she begins to choose another route. Well, I'll tell you, if you want to mess up your life and your thinking, you lose sight of what God's purpose is for your life and you begin to operate in a secondary realm out of the will and the very purpose of God. It's sort of like what I think the evolutionists teach when they tell us that we evolved and there was no designer or originator of us, then that leaves us without purpose. And that leaves us without direction. And we're not a part of any kind of plan. And then we wonder tonight why there's so much confusion across the land, especially among young folks, but we've taken out of them the heart of having a reason. They don't even have a reason in this world. I can't imagine living without a reason. And so if you don't have, an, if you don't have a, a plan for your life by one who loves you and created you, then what do you do? You make your own plan. You go and play by your own rules. And then no one else has anything to do with it. And so Sarah, in her attitude of impatience, begins to draw up her own plan because somehow she feels like that she's left out of God's plan. But she's not left out of God's plan. She's 100% a part of God's plan, but you've got to wait upon the Lord. Don't rush Him. Because if you begin to rush Him, what you will do is you will jump track and start off in your own world and in your own way, uh, making your own plan. So this is her attitude. You remember when Joseph was in the land of Egypt and all that he went through down there, being a servant, for nine years and then being put in prison for two years. And out of all that, even the temptation of this woman that came to him, Potiphar's wife, he refused to become a part of that temptation. And even when his brethren came to him, realized that he was ruler over the land of Egypt and they feared and trembled, he said unto them, listen, you meant it for evil. But he said, God meant it for good. He said, I realize that God had a sovereign purpose in every act that took place in my life to get me to the place to where God could use me to spare you during the time of famine. 
Now, I know what was in your heart. I know what you did. But there's someone bigger than you that's controlling all of this. And I've been operating in his plan. It wasn't your plan that started this. But I'm operating in God's plan. Therefore, Joseph did not become uh, downhearted and he did not become, uh, I'll tell you, negative and bitter and all those other things. Oh, he had to wait patiently on the Lord until he got to the throne. But through it all, he never lost sight that he was a part of God's plan. Therefore, Joseph refused to draw up his own plan. Boy, I'm glad tonight that I'm a part of a big plan. An awesome plan and an eternal plan. God has a plan for this preacher's life. And as long as I can know that and I can see that and I can dwell in the realm of that, I won't go around trying to draw up my own plan and trying to force my own will on situations. So many times in the impatience of our own attitude, we try to carve out and form and design our lives the way we want our lives to be. When I tell you God has a plan for you, if you are his child, God has a plan for you, and it is always plan A. And I'm glad that he has a plan, aren't you? I'm glad that my life is not determined upon how I figure it all out and how I choose to go and the directions that I pursue. My life is according to a divine design that God has already figured out and laid out. Oh, what wonderful peace that I have in that. How I rest in that. And I don't have to struggle as Sarah does as long as I know that. All of my life and all of my days in the hands of Almighty God. And nothing, nothing, nothing is left to chance. But all is according to purpose. All is according to God's will. And as Romans 8, 28 said, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His what? His purpose. The word purpose there means to be ordered before the face of God Almighty. My life as a totality is ordered. Sarah, don't do it, darling. Don't do it. God's in charge. I say to you tonight, young people, don't do it. But don't, don't do it. Wait upon God's plan for your life. The impatience of a plan B is seen in her attitude. The impatience of a plan B is seen in her actions. Can't believe she's doing this. Notice the word I like that she uses that jumps out to me is is the word obtain. And Sarah said in Abram, Behold now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing... I pray thee go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children. That word obtain there is the same word as built. Back in the book of Genesis, same book, in chapter number 11 where Nimrod built a tower. That's the same word. The word obtain is the same word as built. And she said it, it may be that I may build me 
an inheritance. I, I may build me a family. In other words, what she's saying is, is I'm going to take this out of God's hands, and evidently he doesn't know what he's doing, and so I'm going to work this thing, and I'm going to build this thing up. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? How you and I could ever hope to compete with the omniscience of God Almighty, how he knows everything and can do everything, and we somehow think that he's made a mess. Lord, I'm going to fix this thing if you don't hurry up. And we begin to work. She begins to build. She begins to put in the self-effort. She begins to do what God is not interested in doing. He didn't draw this plan up. He didn't ask for her help. This kind of reasoning often leads us to act before we should. The consequences are often terrible and painful. Impatience, unwilling to wait upon God, but determined that we're going to do what God has not done. We're going to fix this thing. But honey, I'm going to tell you, there's no way that you can take, take charge of this thing. It's too infinite and it is too eternal. Yet we have this, this mindset. Could God be waiting for us to do something? Is he waiting on us? Or are we waiting on God? Does God help those? Have you ever heard this? Does God help those that help themselves? That had to be Sarah's thought. I mean, you know, this thing's not working out. It's been 10 years. Abe, you know it ain't going to be long. You're going to be burying me, man. And uh, let's get the show on the road. And God, you know, you know God helps those that help themselves, don't you? I don't know where that saying ever come from, but don't put any thought in it. God never helped anybody that could help themselves because you can't help yourself. If, 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 does God expect us to do our part? That <laughs> seems as though what they're saying. Abraham, God expects us to do our part, and then he'll do his part. You don't have a part. I told you that last night. The only fraction of a part that you could ever hope to have is believing God for what he said he'd do. I'm going to tell you, God has an eternal program, and it's, he has a plan, and in that plan, he has it settled. I'm reminded in the early part of Genesis when God created everything, and after he created it, he looked at it and said it is good. You know what he was saying? Don't touch it. The reason why he created man last is because he knew that if he had created man first, he'd been in there trying to fix or thinking he's fixing what God had made. So he went ahead and finished everything and then created man because he doesn't need our input. He doesn't need your input on your life. He doesn't need your input on what's happening in your life. All he needs is for you to surrender to plan A and he'll take care of everything else. But when you jump over into plan B, you begin to operate on the behalf of God and help God out. He doesn't need your help. Nothing you can do anyway. She begins to try to build this thing, to erect something. 
something to make sure that it comes out. All right, Sarah, you're just messing things up. Leave it alone. It is good. Because God said it is good. Our behavior will cause us to start plans and programs all because we just don't want to wait on God. Most of religion in any form is in this same situation. These, this is the impatience of a plan B. Don't wait on God. You remember when Jesus came, the devil took him into the wilderness to tempt him. And he took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the cities of the world. And he said to him, if you want to be king, if you want these kingdoms, just bow down to me and I will give you these kingdoms. What he was offering Jesus was a shortcut. Because you know Jesus is king. And uh, though he, and, and one of these days he will literally be king. He is literally king now. But one of these days this whole thing, everything the Bible said will be put under his feet. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He will be king in every way and every sort and every fashion. But what the devil was doing was offering him a kingdom in a very short way. Let's just do it now. And isn't that the way we like it? Let's do it now. But Jesus said, oh no, you're not going to give me a kingdom now. The kingdoms you give can be taken away, but the kingdoms that God gives are eternal kingdoms. And he refused to bow unto him and go the plan B or the secondary route of impatience. A plan B. Plan B. Haven't you heard it? I've heard it so many times among young people is they'll say, you'll say to them, you know that young boy? He, he may not be right. Well, you know, you just, you can't find none right now, babe. So they take a plan B, a secondary route. But no, wait upon God because God has a plan A. And not only do we notice the impatience of a plan B, Sarah and Abraham conniving, but but notice the indications of a plan B. How do you know when you're operating in B instead of A? How do you know that you're on the alternate route instead of the main stretch? How do you know when you're letting God do it or you're doing it yourself? Well, there's several ways. Look in verse number 2. Sarah said unto Abraham, now, who's been speaking to Abraham up to this point? God has. Who's doing the talking now? Now, bless you, I don't want to throw those. I think Sarah's a wonderful woman. I mean, when you think about it, she up and left everything upon a promise that God made to Abraham. Of course, it involved her, but God didn't speak to her. He spoke to Abraham, and she followed along. Even later on, when Abraham goes to offer up his own son Isaac, uh, evidently she's had to succumb to that. Sarah is a fine woman, but Sarah is not God. And it is Sarah that's doing the talking unto Abraham. Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. Listen to her talk. <laughs> 
I pray thee go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And here's what I want to, want to point out to you. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of God. No. He hearkened to the voice of Sarah. You know when you're on plan B, secondary route, you know when you know that you are on that, you can tell by the sounds of it. Who are you listening to? You're listening to what the Word of God has to say? Have you discussed this with the godly and those that know the Lord? Or are you just listening to what the world has to say? Or someone else has to say? Are you not trying it? Are you not judging it but what the Bible has to say? That word voice, I noticed that. Abraham hearkened unto the voice of Sarah. That word voice is the same word as thunder when God, the Bible said, thundered from Mount Sinai. Remember when Moses was up there, the same word as thunder. Sarah has become impatient, bless her heart, as good as she is, and she's going through the house every day thundering at Abraham. Abraham, I can't have no children. Abraham, we can't make it unless I have us. And he's got to listen to this day in and day out. Normally a man doesn't listen to his wife, but after a while it just reaches in. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't, I'm just saying... And all you wives are looking to your husbands and amen to that too, aren't you? <laughs> but it's just a constant thunder. It's a thunder. It's a thunder. One right after another in the ears of Abraham. And finally Abraham says, Okay, shut up! I'll do it. But you see, you can know whether you're going God's route or you're going man's route. You can know whether you're going plan A or plan B by simply judging whose voice you're listening to. Is it the voice of the Word of God? Have you tried it by the book? What does the Bible say about what you're doing or how you're living or who you're with or where you're going? What does the Bible say? It judges all of that. You can there is an indication as to what route you are taking by the sounds of it. Not only by the sounds of it, but you can judge whether you're on route A or B by the spirit of it. Look again in verse number 2. Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be, and I may obtaining children. There is not an ounce of assurance and confidence in what she has drawn up to do. She said it may be that I may obtain. Now when it came to the voice and the promises of God, the Bible said Abraham was Fully persuaded. Now, I don't know about you, but that's where I like to live. Don't you? 
I like to live in the full persuasion of the promises of God and to know that I'm doing what God wants me to do. For two solid years I fought the Lord. I mentioned it last night about this thing of evangelism and for two solid years I lived in the land of uncertainty as I wrestled with the Lord. And I said, well, maybe, Lord, I can do this and that. Or maybe, Lord, you want me to do this or that. And the Lord all the time was saying, no, no, no. And I had what? One ounce of certainty. <laughs> Just recently I had a church approach me on two occasions. I didn't even ask the name of the church. I didn't ask how big it was. I didn't ask anything. They simply said, would you be interested in pastoring a Baptist church? And I said, no! Not because that would be bad, but because I can say to you tonight with absolute assurance and certainty, I'm where God wants me on road A. And I'm not interested in B. Because honey, B is so miserable, so uncertain, and so unstable. Come on, A, let's do this and maybe it could be, it might be. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That's not to be the road of the Christian life. The road of the Christian life should always have the signals and sounds and signs and spirit of, it is. It is. And oh, what assurance and what blessing when you live in the realm and on the road of plan A, God's way for your life. There's joy unspeakable in it. There's blessed assurance in it because you know you're doing what God wants you to do. The indications of a plan B is in the sounds of it, in the spirit of it, but it is also in the solution of it. What her solution is, it's a convenient one in all ways. Plan B will always be, seem simpler than plan A. Doesn't it seem simpler? It'll always seem more convenient and easier to go plan B than plan A. <laughs> That's why the world always goes plan B. That's the way they think it figures out better. I ask you tonight. Which sounds more reasonable to you? Wait on God to have a baby at 90 years old. Or choose a handmaid that may be in her 20s and have a child by her. Which one sounds sensible? Which one of them even sounds feasible? She's 75 years old here. Think about that. 75 years old, and she's got 15 years to go before she has a son. Wow. 
Isn't this something how God always takes things to extreme measures in our lives? You want God to give you a simple solution for everything in your life? <laughs> he will, but it'll be a while. He may wait until you've been dead four days and stinking before he shows up, but he'll be there. He may wait until you're 90, but he'll be there. He may wait until the valley of dry bones are done. I mean, ready to blow away before he breathes on them, but he'll be there. God is not hampered nor altered by time and elements. He can do whatever he wants to, what he wants to, <laughs> if you just wait on. Oh, the implications of this plan. Uh, the, the indications of this plan is the solution she has. A handmaid. A bondwoman. A slave. That came out of an experience in this world. That's her solution. It's a worldly solution. Well, that's what indicates that she's on plan B. And I want you to notice with me, last tonight, not only do I see the impatience of plan B and the indications of plan B, she's on the wrong road. And can I say to you tonight that more times than not, I don't want to say 100%, maybe I could, more times than not, if you're having to ask, if you're doing the right thing, you're probably not. You're probably on the wrong road. Plan B. If you're all the time seeking somebody who will agree with you on what you're doing, <laughs> you're probably doing the wrong thing. If you're trying to find someone that will okay your lifestyle, it's probably the wrong one. Because I'm going to tell you something. You good folks here tonight, I pretty well. But I could care less as to what you think about me preaching and being an evangelist. And you know why? Because I've already heard from heaven. And heaven said, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. You said, preacher, that's cocky. No, it ain't, honey. That's plan A. God breathing on you. Plan A. But I want you to notice with me the, the, the implications of what I might say the consequences or the end of a plan B. When you choose your own route and your own way for your life, what are the, the results of it? The implications. Notice in verse 4. He went in unto Hagar and she conceived when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. What happened was there was a conception. And when this baby was born, it brought, it brought a conflict and a confusion that this world is still fighting with in this hour. 
as far as I can tell, the descendants of Ishmael are the northern Arabians in the Middle East tonight. The ones who want to wipe Israel off the map if they could. The Muslims who despise the God of Israel. And you know where they came from? Plan B. <laughs> the Bible said she was despised in verse 5. She was despised. Once she saw she had a child, she despised Sarah. And, and the word means pointed, to despise. It's as if she's pricking Sarah. Every time Sarah walks by, she pricks her. It's an agonizing experience. And every time we build something, and every time we birth something, and every time we conceive something of our own hands, it will always turn against us and devour us and cause misery in our hearts and in our lives. How much is in this world tonight because somebody said, I'm not going God's way. I'm going to do my thing. Go ahead. One of these days, you'll be sorry. It created bigger and never. She just thought she had problems when she didn't have a boy. Honey, she's got major problems with a boy that is not even hers. And she'd already said, Abraham, go in and let her have the baby, and then that boy be mine. She doesn't even want to touch this boy. Well, God has a way of making our creation sickening to us. Nauseous. Because we realize that we've done it and it's too late and there's nothing to do about what we have created. It is a lie. It cannot be changed. It cannot be undone. It is there for us to face the rest of our days because we chose our own and not God's way. See, it's bigger and never-ending problems. She'll never get over. If you'll notice in verse in chapter 17, in verse 15 and 16, God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and give thee a son <laughs> also of her. <laughs> God saying, Abraham, Sarah, you took plan B and went in that direction, but I never did go with you, and I'm not going with you. I will not, nor will I ever accept man's design. Nothing that ever originated in man's mind has God ever accepted as a part of his plan. Heaven's not going to be no big place where we all get together and brag on how we helped God out of a mess. Oh, I 
tell you. Come on over here, Ishmael. We's just about under. The plan and promise is just about gone. And they did not come up with a good solution. Man, it just hit my mind. I don't know what. And we brought Hagar, and now look what we got. Boy, isn't this a blessing? No, it ain't no blessing. She won't be talking about that in heaven. I'll tell you that. You know what she's going to be talking about in heaven? How she might near mess things up. And hadn't it been for the grace of God to overrule her messes, they would have been in a mess. But God Almighty stayed on the right track. God doesn't accept our wills and our plans and our conclusions. God won't accept it. We're back to first base again. Waiting on God to do His will. And always when you put your hands in it, you just stir up a bigger mess than ever was. Then you have to come back and wait on the Lord to do what He said He would do all along. Now listen. It never works. Your way, your will, will never work. That's why I said in the beginning, God has one plan and only one plan of salvation and there's not going to be a bunch of folks in heaven talking about how they drew up a plan and God okayed it. Do you know that everything that you and I have anything to do with in the spiritual realm begins with God and ends with God? It doesn't begin with the mind of man. We deal with the realm of prayer and of faith. The things that we do in a spiritual realm. I sometimes think that people think that prayer is like this. You're laying in bed one night and you have this, you have this gigantic, tremendous thought. And you fall out on the floor and you wake God up. And you say, hey, Lord, got a great idea. How about if we do thus and such and thus? And the Lord says, wow, Gabriel, think of that. Great idea. And then the Lord jumps on your little prayer bandwagon and says, wow, I believe we'll do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. You remember when uh, Hannah in 1 Samuel prayed for a son? You know who that son was? Samuel. Let me ask you something. Who wanted a Samuel even more than Hannah did? Do you know who? Simple. God. Because God was going to use Samuel. Hannah didn't think of that boy. Heaven thought of that boy and put it in Hannah's heart, though she didn't understand the fullness of it. And then she prayed for God to do what God had already thought about doing. <laughs> you know what prayer is? Prayer is plugging into what God's planning on doing. All that is, ain't you thinking up something? God's got an eternal plan. You just jump in on that thing in prayer. God, let you be a part of that. Prayer is God wanting something to happen and burdening your heart with it and then you pray back to Him and then He does it and it works like electricity in a circuit. It begins with God, ends with God, begins with God, ends with God. Prayer 
there is not man conjuring up some work, some plan, something that he wants to do, and then ushering it in for God to vote on it. The reason why we're in the mess in religion in this hour, what begins with man, ends with man. What began with Sarah and Abraham ended with Sarah and Abraham. It's the same way with faith. We hear, especially during the Olympics, these boys talking about faith, is that faith is some human effort or merit. And they say, oh, I'll tell you, I just, you just, if you just believe you can jump it, you can jump it. Just believe you can jump 100 feet high and you can jump it. Well, if you did, it'd kill you coming back down. I mean, listen, that's not faith. Faith! Who is the author of our faith? You know who is? Jesus is. So that means faith starts with him. Who is the finisher of our faith? Jesus is. That means it stops with him. Faith doesn't start with you and end with you. It starts with him and ends with him. Faith. You know what faith is? <laughs> faith is what Jesus believes to be so. That's what faith is. And then he plants that faith in your heart and my heart. In and of ourselves, we could not believe that God could do anything. But it's when we are given the faith of the Son of God, as Paul talked about in Galatians 2.20. He lived by the faith, not his faith, but by the faith of the Son of God. I said to you last night, Jesus wanted to feed the multitude. They didn't believe he could. He believed he could, and he fed the multitude. But I'm going to tell you, after he got done, they believed he could. But where did the faith come from? They didn't have it. He had it. He had it. Faith and prayer and love, even love, begins with God and ends with God. It's, it's, it's begun in heaven. Begun in heaven. All of these works that we do down here, and won't it be something when we get to heaven and find out how much of what we have done originated in us and what little bit originated in Christ. You know what blows my mind? <laughs> Out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of sermons that I've preached, <laughs> the bits and parcels and so on of it that really originated in the heart of God Almighty at my best. I hope I'll have a point, at least one point that'll make it through <laughs> the fire. <laughs> the human element. We try so hard to help God out in a plan B. It never works. You know why? And I close with this. It robs God of his glory. What kind of glory is God going to get out of plan B? Is he going to get any glory at all? Man, anybody could do this. But not just anybody can have a baby at nine years old. That's where God gets his glory. And when the situations of our life become hard to bear and the burdens are heavy, 
And we don't know which way to turn, and it seems like there's not a simple answer. There's not supposed to be a simple answer because God wants to explode in our lives, and he wants to take care of what the situation is, and he wants to receive the glory even as he came walking on the water for the disciples, and they said, what manner of man is this? Even the winds and the seas obey his voice. We want a Jesus that can be glorified among the nations. But this Jesus cannot be glorified among the nations when we see, when they see that all we're doing is in the energy of the flesh. But he can be glorified when they can see undeniably. And they must say, God has done that. That is the plan A. Stick to plan A. And if you have deviated from it, junk all your other plans and return. Go back to God's plan for your life. I heard about a little boy who was crossing this hill, and he ran into an old timer. He had a cow. The old timer asked him, said, son, where are you going? He said, well, I'm going across the hill here, and he's kind of forward about it, and I'm going to sell this cow over there. The old man sensed his pride, and he said, well, son, uh, if I were you, I would say if it's the Lord's will. <laughs> no, he said, I'm not going to say if it's the Lord's will. He said, I've done talked to the fellow that wants to buy it. I've got the cows just across the ridge here. I'm going to go sell this cow. He said, well, okay, but I would say if it's the Lord's will. And the young man went across the ridge, and there's three or four boys cut him off, off at the pass there, beat him up, tore his clothes half off from him, bloodied his nose, took his cow away from him. He turned around, headed back to the house, comes back across the ridge, and happened that he run into the old man again. The old man said, son, where are you going? He said, I'm a going home. If it's the Lord's will. And I want to say to you tonight, it's better to stick with God's will and God's 